Happy Friday and welcome once again to one of the best shows about plastic surgery, health, and beauty. This is Nip Talk. We got a good show for you today. First, are nano drugs going to be the next cure for cancer? It could be. Also, we're going to talk about some odd medical facts. I'm going to quiz these guys and see what they know. Lastly, what are some non-cosmetic plastic surgeries? Are there even any out there? We're going to talk about them. It's coming up next. Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk. An honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle. With your host, plastic surgeon Dr. Bruce Herman, and your co-host, entrepreneur and social media influencer Sarah Bennett. Now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We really, really do appreciate it. Please leave us a like and subscribe and leave us a comment. We want to know what you want us to talk about. I'm your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman. With me, as always, is Sarah. Hi. What's up, Sarah? Uh, Travis is in the box, and I think Travis is not going to be able to talk a whole lot today. He's got some mic issues. I think it's just us. Yeah. I think he's behind the scenes. He's like the Wizard of Oz, which is really sad because I have like a really cool kind of topic, and I was really yeah. Wondering. You have questions. I have questions today, and Travis is going to get to answer them. He may have to get like a whiteboard and hold up his answers. You got a whiteboard in there? Can you hold it up? Maybe I can chime in a little bit. Okay, but we'll, we'll, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. We won't make you talk until then, but you have to chime in for that, maybe. Gotcha. How's everybody? You, how are you, Sarah? Good this week? Yeah, awesome. I'm like pretty pumped up. You know, I'm leaving town next week. Oh, yeah. In and fact, next week's show Italy. is going to, I'm going to Italy. So it's a pretty big trip. Um, it's going to be very interesting because uh, this started out as like a trip with uh, the group that I ride motorcycles with. Uh, we ride around Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma. And over the past couple of years, we've been talking about doing a big trip. And so it was planned for us to do a trip down the Amalfi Coast, which I didn't know what the Amalfi Coast was. I think that's a pretty common term, which had just escaped me in my years of life. So the Amalfi Coast is the coastline of Italy that includes the boot and then the heel. Mm -hmm. So there's apparently a road, I guess, similar to Highway 1 in California, where the, the road's right up against the ocean. And there's some amazing little towns. And apparently, it's like the best motorcycle ride ever. Is it just the boys? Or is your family going? So interestingly enough, so this is where it gets kind of odd. Um, one of the guys that's going is a friend of mine. I've known him for years. Uh, he knows my wife. And uh, he said his wife was going to go on the trip. She was going to rent a car and follow the group. And, my, you know, and I felt bad about the trip because my wife's always said she really wants to go to Italy. Like, she's never been. And I, I haven't either. I went to Sicily when I was, like, really little, but I don't really remember it. Um, but I felt bad that I was going to Italy, you know, without her. And I was like, yeah. I was like babe, Brad's wife's going to go. She's going to rent a car. Come with us. I mean, I'm going to have the hotel rooms. You can ride in the car if you want to ride a day on the bike. Cool. Uh, and so she's like, yeah, actually, I would like to do that. So... We booked her tickets and everything was good. And then I guess it's been about three weeks ago. So really close to the trip, the other girl backed out. Uh-oh. Yeah. And so there was this big kind of discussion of what are we going to do? I mean, you know, the options were she could back out, which of course we, when we book trips, we book trips. We don't do like refundable, right? We're not paying extra money to maybe back out. Mm -hmm. That's just not what we do. So it's like, well, I mean, I hate to lose the ticket. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I was like, you know, if you want to back out, I get it. You can ride with me on the motorcycle the whole time and we just make do. 
you know, I mean, we have to pack light because we're a week on the bike. Uh, or if you want, I'll, I'll cancel my motorcycle rental and we'll run a convertible together and do it. So she thought about it for a few days and she's like, you know what? I'm just going to ride with you. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to ride with me for seven days on a motorcycle, um, which will be interesting. I've, I've ridden with her before. We haven't done any trips on the bike together. Um, so this will be, will be interesting. That sounds fun. I'm yeah. Sure it's it, fun though. It's I mean, going to be great. Like we're flying if in. you're going to ride a bike for seven days. You might as well go to Italy. Dude. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be beautiful, and <laughs> you know, great. it's gonna be great. Um, we're flying in a couple days early and spend a couple days in Rome. Uh, so we're gonna do all the Rome tourist things, you know, that people do when they go to Rome. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, and then we're on the bike for seven days doing the Amalfi Coast, and then we're back to Rome, and then uh, we'll be heading back. So. Uh, so that's going to be a big trip, but I didn't want to not do a show. Mm -hmm. So we're, my wife and I are going to do the show there. Good. We're going to record some video from the trip and maybe, you know, show like some clips of the video. Yeah, like a video blog and then, you know, maybe just talk about some, I don't know, plastic surgery in Europe or whatever. I mean, it'll be interesting. Nice. So, yeah. So, so that'll be big. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, it's a I'm lot though. I'm going to some festival tomorrow. You are? Or What is tomorrow? it? The... It's some, like, like something like the Renaissance type. You go in Scarborough Fair? Mm-hmm. Get out! Have we ever talked about this? No. So, but I I mean, that's why I know what, like, fairy, the little elf ears are. And so. Stuff, because my friend Cassie is, like, she she works for me at my store. Yeah, she's I know like Cassie. My, yeah, she's been my friend for, for a long time. Know, forever. And uh, she told me that she wanted me to go with her because she won, like, tickets or something. You get out. Are you guys dressing up? You are. What's your yeah. costume? I mean, it's actually a pink dress from my store, and then I bought some like court, like vintage-looking corset. Nice. From Amazon. So you know, so. we go to uh, Scarborough Fair every year, oh, and, yeah. and we always dress up. So we, um, I, I'm always, I always dress up as a wizard. Like <laughs> I'm like a huge like Lord of the Rings fan, so I have this like pretty slick Gandalf outfit. Nice. And so I always dress up as Gandalf, but my wife and the kids always pick different costumes every year. And so it's funny you mention that because Scarborough Fair is, it only runs a certain number of yeah. weeks and we're going to be gone for like two of them. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I guess we're just going to have to go like one of the last weekends. Um, yeah. Cassie's really excited about it. She's like, we have to leave by eight o'clock. Yeah. So we can get there when the doors open and well, we're going to be there all day. And you, I was like, what? You have to be there when the doors open because uh, it's out kind of in the country and it's on a small road. And so many people come. Like if you show up like an hour late, you're going to be waiting in line on that road for like an hour. Like you only make that mistake once. Like it's really, really popular. Yeah. And so you have to be there early. Otherwise, if you get there early, you can just walk right in. But if you go late, like you're going to be stuck in a line for, for an hour or more. And it sucks. Um, but the, the festival is awesome. Maybe you, you haven't been before. Mm -mm. I wanted, I was hoping that a I would have Avery. Oh, she would love it. I know she would. Oh, but you don't have her. Mm -mm, oh my gosh. I'm I so might sorry. take her like another weekend. Just me. I'll tell you, it, I'm sure we'll go, we'll meet you guys out there. Okay. That'd it, be cool. It would be fun. Like we, we, we go out every year and you know, my kids are getting older now, but they still love it. Mm -hmm. You know, the rides are sucky, you know, like, like they have typical like state fair type. Not, not even that fair, good. Like, county fair. Like small county fair rides, um, but the kids love them, and um, you know there's all the food out there, and and there's these like um, pubs sort of, and we like to go and listen to the medieval music players. You know they sing like funny songs, and mm -hmm. you know and the wife and I will have a drink, and the kids like listen to music, and that's a lot of fun. And there's like lots of stuff to buy and see, and then the costumes are amazing. Yeah. 
you know, our costumes are like not bad. I mean, you know, not everyone dresses up out there. So yeah, mine's just, gonna be pretty simple. Yeah. It's gonna be a corset from Amazon and probably some type of like yeah, flowery something wreath around your head or something. Yeah, um, mm. circlet or something. Yeah, I don't know what I'm, what shoes I'm, I would wear because I'm I'm sure it's gonna be kind of muddy out there. So I might just bring my. Uh, shoes. it's only muddy if it's rainy that it day. It might be rainy. Oh, it's gonna be rainy. Well, at least it, it won't be hot. Rain, it might rain like in the morning. Yeah, some days uh, we go out there and um, and it's been really really hot. You know, because getting into May, like you know, it, mm -hmm. it does get warm. But do you know what weekend it is? Like they have like specialty weekends. You know which one it is? This. Well, I mean, it's this weekend. This weekend. Yeah, but do you know? So each week they have like some sort of theme. Like oh, I don't know. you don't know. Like one one weekend is pirates, and then one weekend is I don't know that. That's the only one I really remember, to be honest. I'm sure this one's not pirates. This one's not something. Pirates. I mean, it's people like, wear whatever. Yeah, I mean, I even if it's pirates, I'm still wearing the Gandalf outfit because, <laughs> you know. I would like to have a pirate outfit, though. It, and the cool thing, I mean, being a clothes person, I bet you'll really like the shops out there because they have, like, specialty shops for cosplay or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they're, like, you know, handmade leather, you know, I don't even know what the proper term oh, is. Oh, I'm probably going to buy, like, fairy wings and stuff for Avery, like... Oh, yeah. All the things. You should take her out there, honestly. I'll let you know when we go. It'd be... You know, we'll meet you out there. It'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, Avery's younger than my daughter, but, I mean, still, I'm sure they get along. Yeah, they're both little sassy pants, though. Yeah, that's for sure. So. <laughs> well, that's really cool. Day. Well, I want a full report on Scarborough Fair yeah. uh, when we get back, um, definitely. And uh, yeah, I'll have to give you guys a full report on our trip. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's always crazy to leave, you know, because... With work and, you know, being uh, in solo practice, it's, you know, just, it's kind of tough to get away. But, I mean, you, just, you know, you can't just work your whole life. I mean, you, you have to yeah. enjoy it. you got to experience it. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on to some topics. Um, so I saw a really interesting topic this past week. Uh, I'm always love like science and you know new research coming out and you know not necessarily things about plastic surgery and this one was about nano drugs. Okay. And this was a study about nano drugs and their possibility to cure cancers. And uh, so just so you're aware, I, I mean nano drugs is really kind of a nebulous term. Um, you know a nano drug is basically a microscopic transporter that carries some molecule that does some action. So like you know. genetically made? Yes, right. So in the, think of the lines of the COVID vaccine, you know, where there's like an mRNA, you know, vaccine. So in this instance, there's a nanoparticle that, um, that holds RNA. And, and, and this is where it gets kind of crazy. And I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about it. Maybe Travis, if you can chime in, I don't know. So what, what this is, is a nanoparticle that has a piece of RNA that actually affects the DNA of cancer cells. And it's pretty wild stuff. Um, this particular one was looking at ovarian cancer, which I think is a fantastic cancer to look at because historically, ovarian cancer is very aggressive, very lethal, very hard mm -hmm. to treat. And so, you know, the fact that they were, you know, it wasn't like they were trying to cure basal cell skin cancer, which is, you know, not, doesn't really need a cure. I mean, you can just cut it out. Yeah. Um, so I was really happy to see that, you know, ovarian cancer is pretty much undetectable in early stages. And so unfortunately, a lot of times it gets diagnosed when it's pretty advanced. And that's why it has, you know, a worse outcome because the, the tumor just grows on the ovary and it doesn't really do anything until it gets really, really large. Right. Um, ovarian cancer is the eighth most common cancer in women and worldwide. There's about 300,000 cases. 
And so risk factors for that, um, if you have a family history of ovarian or breast cancer, that's a risk. If you have a personal history of breast cancer, that's a risk. Uh, if you're older, you know, yeah. it's a disease of older women, uh, uh, obese, smoking, hormone replacement therapy, and then either no pregnancies or having pregnancies later in life. So those are kind of the risk factors for ovarian, um, just to give a little background on, on that. Uh, so this, this study was looking at a lipid nanoparticle to carry RNA, um, and it was to an attempt to silence a particular gene in the cancer. Okay. And that gene was called CKAP5. Okay. Genes have really weird names. I don't. I, I, it sounds all like whenever you say nano, I'm like robots. So like a nanobot, right? I think that too. I was like, wait, like nanobots? I think of some type of like. Like it's a like little a, mini robot going in there and cutting out the cancer. Yeah, like a doctor, like <laughs> with like a syringe, just like right, shoots exactly. you. Well, I mean, it like, is a syringe. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, like a nano. Like little bitty baby like robots just like, like out there doing cleaning, like, cleaning your blood getting rid of all of the cleaning out your arteries yeah it was funny you mentioned that because i saw someone talking uh i, I can't remember if it was on twitter or what and they were talking about how they believe that in eight years that nano i want to say it was nanobots were gonna like cure all diseases and that like, diseases are gonna be a thing in the past and i was like yeah i don't know if i believe that i mean there's definitely some like pretty amazing technology coming down the pipe but yeah, nanobots, no. So These are nanoparticles. But they're like... Yeah, all it is is just a very, very tiny molecule that carries the RNA. Mm. You know, I mean, compared to, I guess, other vaccines, they're really, really small. And they're just like naturally programmed to get rid of a certain part of... Well, it's all like genetic. So what this yeah. one does is the RNA that's in this particular nanoparticle gets into the DNA of the ovarian cancer, and it silences that CCAP5 gene. Okay. And what, what that gene does is it is responsible for the tumor growth. Okay. And so that's how it works. It, it goes into the tumor... It changes the DNA and it shuts down the the regulator of how how much it grows, and it's pretty. I mean, that's pretty advanced stuff. I mean, you know, most therapies these days are you know revolve around killing things directly, like something toxic gets on the cancer and kills it, or you use radiation or you cut it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a very kind of slick way to get rid of a cancer in that you're you're basically telling the cancer to kill itself for all intents and purposes. Yeah, like stop. It's just yeah, it's like stop growing, gro stop growing. Yeah. And but so, does it die or does it just like stay? So, I mean, according to this study, it showed an eighty percent survival rate at a certain time, which, for ovarian cancer, that's extremely high. I mean, that's considered you know almost curative. Um, now, the thing is, is that uh, there's good things and bad things about this study. Uh, one, this was an animal model study. So they were looking at like mice with ovarian cancer. I think it was mice. I can't remember exactly what animal it was. But the bottom line is the animal study. So, you know, what that means is that it's pretty far away from like coming to market. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like, okay, this study came out and we're going to see this drug in a month or two. Yeah. You know, they're going to have to probably do another round of studies. Then they have to like set up for human trials. I mean, you're probably talking years of time until yeah. this thing becomes, you know, a potential treatment that you can go to your hospital or your doctor and get. Um, is but it, is it something that you'd have to like get in time, like at a certain point, like if you have like a certain stage of cancer, they're like, so no, the, here's the interesting thing this. is they were looking at very aggressive ovarian cancers. Okay. You know, in fact, they were looking at certain variants that are like the most aggressive because it's so hard to 
die, I guess, uh, for people to realize that they actually do have ovarian cancer. Right. So they were just like... Yeah, they were looking at not only cancers that were advanced in time, but also in their biology. Because, okay. you know, when you, when, you, when you take out a cancer, you send out pathology, and there's certain markers they look at, and those markers tell if the cancer is more or less aggressive. So, like, you know, one that I see all the time, I do skin cancers, and so, like, a squamous cell carcinoma that's poorly differentiated would indicate that it's much more aggressive than, like, a well-differentiated. And that's just talking about, like, the cellular structure of it. But it is a marker for how aggressive it is. And so they were looking at a very aggressive ovarian cancer, you know, late stage. And when they gave this nano drug to the animals, they had an 80% survival rate at a certain time frame. And, you know, that's pretty amazing, um, you know, to the point that, you know, I would say it's kind of a groundbreaking thing. Uh, it definitely is something where it's going to need more time. You know, I mean, as I said, this is not something that's going to come out and, you know, be a potential cure next month. Um, but, you know, given the very positive results of the study, I mean, I think it's something that's going to continue to pick up steam. Sounds promising. It does. And, you know, I mean, that's ultimately the goal, right? I mean, you develop a shot that someone takes and their cancer goes away. I mean, being a surgeon, you know, I, it sounds weird that I'm advocating for, you know, the demise of surgery, but I mean, I would love to see, you know, where surgeons aren't having to cut out tumors that you're getting the same results from taking a shot. I mean, obviously that would be a better outcome for patients, you know, because surgery does have risks and it has recovery and sometimes it doesn't always work and it doesn't always work. And so if you can get equal results from like a non-surgical method, I mean, I think that that's good. But, you know, the one thing I would say about this, and this is kind of where the discussion comes up is, you know, how do you feel about taking a medication that literally alters your DNA? I mean, that was like a big talk with a COVID vaccine. You know, people back in the COVID vaccine hysteria times when everyone was like, oh, COVID vaccines are, you know, killing everyone. People would talk about, oh, they literally would ask me, like, why are you taking a drug that alters your DNA? Because they, they saw that it was an mRNA, you know, generated vaccine. And they're like, oh, well, that's going to change your DNA. Well, it really doesn't. I mean, the mRNA was just a carrier for the particle that your body makes antibodies to. But this literally is changing your DNA. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the concern I would have is what if it changes some other part of your DNA that has a bad outcome? I mean, it could theoretically flip off the switch in your cells that actually inhibits cancer. Because, you know, in our bodies, we have, we have tumor suppressor genes that know when cells get out of whack and then they kill them. And cancer is when something happens to where that, that gene doesn't, is not able to suppress it. And then, you know, because we, in our bodies constantly, we have cells that are going out of whack. Like they're either old cells or they just are mutated cells. And the reason we're not eat up with cancer is because our body has its own kind of regulation, yeah. right? So. I don't know, how do you feel about that? I mean, you're taking something that's altering your DNA. What are your thoughts? I mean, if it's gonna save your life, I guess I don't really care. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I mean, bottom line, if you no have BS. Cancer, you're like, you're right. I'm gonna try anything. Exactly, and, and that's how I kind of- I mean, if you wanna live. That's how I kind of feel about it too, is you know, on the surface of it, taking something that's gonna alter my DNA sounds like a really bad idea. But on the other hand, if I'm going to be dead in six months... You could become Spider-Man. You could become the Incredible Hulk or Spider-Man. That's right. I mean, you know, and it brings up, like, an interesting question, you know, with this gene therapy getting so good. I mean, what's the next step? Like, you take a shot and suddenly you're super strong or... I mean, that, I don't think that that is too far down the line here. I mean, 
the fact that they can you know make this you know mRNA that uh, or RNA that alters your your genetics to the point that your cancer dies. I mean, I mean what what's it sounds like that 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 limit is kind of released, right? If they can do mm -hmm. that, why can't they do other stuff? Yeah, I'm you sure know? they will. If they can get that effective, they can start I mean, investing all your genes. It's going to be, it's such a wild time we live in, you know, with the whole AI talk. I mean, man, you can't turn on the TV now without talk, hearing about AI. I mean, we were kind of like on the forefront of that, talking about it early on. Yeah, I take Avery to gym, this gymnastics gym in Denton, and there's this... Um, lady i guess is a professor at some at a college she might be at like unt or tw okay and her and this guy are always talking about chat gbt really yeah and i just like want to talk to them about it but they she sounds very like scientific when she talks about it and so does the guy so i'm like you should jump in like i mean you know about it we talk about it all the time. i know but she's just they're just like always talking about the um outcomes of like what this could mean for the world i think everyone's blah, blah, talking blah. about well i mean not everyone a lot of people are talking about that you know is i mean it's you know I, i've always are not always i've been saying recently that you know ai is the biggest thing since the internet mm -hmm. you know it's it's a groundbreaker and you know um a lot of people i know are, are using it now like in their daily lives i mean we're yeah. making menus out of it and recipes i mean you know the sky's the limit but Speaking to that, I mean, yeah, you can, um, <coughs> excuse me, you can type, you can tell ChatGPT like I weigh 100 and something pounds. I need, I want to lose this amount of weight, and I want to follow this diet. Give me, what should I be eating? <sighs> and it'll tell you. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, it got you again. <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, sorry, Travis. You know, choked up, Sarah's. Uh, it's because of. It's because of. Tell the story, Sarah. Let me <laughs> it's because of Chat GPT. Story about Chat GPT. Yeah, get uh, out. No, I'm okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, had some allergies for the past week. Okay. Well, I mean, too. you know, this um, this gene therapy, I think, has that potential as well. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy. All right, moving on. I like fun topics. We haven't done a fun topic in a lot of time. A lot of, we're doing like really serious topics lately. I mean, so I was going to lighten it up. And Travis, I hope you can weigh in here. I'll try. Okay. Because <laughs> I was going to, I pulled up, I always like to pull up like fun facts about medicine and whatnot. So I was going to pull up some fun facts. These are fun facts about the human body. Okay. Right. And so listen, don't be, you know, alarmed about these questions because I didn't know the answers to 99% of these. So like, don't feel bad if you don't get them right. Because I... I mean, one of us has to have the answers, so I have the answers, and that doesn't mean that... On your note cards. <laughs> yeah, on my note cards. It doesn't mean that I knew these things either, so... Okay. Um, but I think these are pretty fun. Okay, so... Oh, you can go first, sir. How many different scents can the human nose detect? Shoot. Um... Think big. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hint. Think big. One million. Oh, that's a good number. Travis? Um... 500,000. So, Sarah's going to be closer. It's one trillion. Uh, Trill I didn't even know that. I would have never said a trillion. A trillion? I would have probably guessed. We're so sophisticated. Well, and it, it really, you know. <laughs> brain. That, and I actually, when I saw that number, I didn't believe it. So, I had to go look it up. And it is accurate uh, based on um, some research articles I read. What's interesting is how little of our sense of smell we use. I mean, it's obviously very, very, you know distinct mm -hmm. but really it's a sense that we don't use it often well i guess at one point we needed it for survival and now we don't 
Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, mean, I always, I, like, think about those movies where you, like, where the, I guess the main character is using, like, 100% of their brain or, like, 80% right. of their brain. Because yeah. we don't use, like, but, like, a certain percentage of it. So, I always I always really, like, pay attention to those movies yeah, wonder, where it's, that's the I'm plot. Like, I wonder what we're capable of. Yeah, facts. If we could just. Did you, you guys see that movie Limitless with. Um, yes. Uh, was it? it Bradley Cooper? Yeah, that's it, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, Bradley Cooper. Dude, I love that movie. I that's thought a it was good movie. So I haven't seen it in a very long time. Yeah, that's a great movie. I always yeah. wonder if we can I float. I love some Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper's a good-looking dude. Like yeah. I can, I can appreciate a good-looking man, and Bradley Cooper is a very good-looking <laughs> man. You do be doing that. All right, moving on. So this is a, kind of an odd one. The average human body has enough fat to make how many bars of soap? Ten. Ooh, that's a good guess, Travis. Um, 50. The answer is seven. Dang. Sarah, two for two. All right. Yeah, that's interesting. You guys ever watch uh, that movie, um, Fight Club? Remember Fight Club? Mm -hmm. The guy was stealing the liposuction out of the plastic surgery trash to make soap. You remember that? Travis, did you see Fight Club? I like, so I remember the movie. I never yeah. saw it. I haven't seen it. That's, an, I haven't ever <laughs> that's a classic. I love that movie. Um, Brad Pitt. Everyone have to watch Fight Club, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. It's a great one. Um, but yeah, so in that movie, I mean, just like on a side note of that movie, this guy was stealing the fat from plastic surgery offices out of their hazardous waste cans and making soap out of it. Gross. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Okay, <laughs> here's talking about the human brain, Sarah. How much information can the human brain hold? Now, this is going to be in megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes, petabytes. Um, so, like, think on computer. Do you know computers? This may be a hard one. I mean, I, I should not say that. Are you computer <laughs> no. tech savvy? Okay. No. Travis, you're computer tech savvy, right? Um, when it comes to, like, megabytes, I always think of, like, MP3 players okay. from back in the day. <laughs> like, right. 16 gig, 8 gig, Right, okay. 4 gigs. So, how, how much can the human brain hold if it was a hard drive? 32 gigabytes. Okay. What's the biggest? Like maybe 64. Oh, well, it goes like, up to, I don't even know. No, what's the biggest, like, is there, are so we talking megabytes, megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes, petabytes. I don't know what's after petabytes. I know a terabyte is pretty big, too. Like, that's a, that's yeah, a lot of information. I know what a terabyte is. All right, so the answer is 2,500 terabytes. I was so close. So that's 2.5 <laughs> million. I was not close. <laughs> 2.5 million gigabytes. That's crazy. I didn't think it would be that much. I mean, a petabyte, I mean, it's 2.5 petabytes or 2,500 terabytes. I mean, that's an enormous amount of data. Because when you think about data, you know, a terabyte of data is an enormous amount of data. I mean, that's insane. Uh, and our bodies can hold 25, or our brains can hold 2,500 of those. It all goes back to what you're saying about, I feel like our brains are just like on, you know, if, if our brains had a level from one to 10, we're like on like 1.5, I think. Yeah, they need to make something, they need to like- Like invent. a limitless drug? Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Thanks. They need to invent it. Okay, this one's kind of funny. Um, they probably will with that nano thing, like this is- we're That's what I'm talking about. Shot and it's gonna turn and on- Turn on all your brain. Yeah. But would you sign up for that? I think Elon Musk is, you know, Elon Musk has a company, I forgot the name of it, but it has something to do with art, with implants in your body. Do you know that one, Travis? Um, I don't know the name it's of it. It's not his like most famous, obviously SpaceX and uh, Starlink, Tesla or, and Starlink yeah. are his big things, but he does have an implant company and I don't know a whole lot about it. He doesn't talk about it as much, but that might be what they're probably like, he's like, cause when it comes out, I'm going to do it. And then I'm gonna make another company and more companies. I know, man. I got, keep making I got more makes money. more companies. I know. <laughs> I right. think it's called Neuralink. 
This one, Neuralink, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Neuralink. Neuralink, excellent, excellent work. Okay, this one is kind of funny. So the average person will produce how much flatulence, that's farts, enough? Yes. <laughs> how much farts to, oh, to fill how many party balloons over their lifetime? So like, the average person, if you collected all their farts, how many, how many party balloons could you fill? I don't know, like a million? <laughs> That'd be a lot. Charles? Um... 50,000. Okay, you guys must fart a lot. It's actually <laughs> it's actually 2,000. And then I, when, I was, when I was working on this, one of my friends was talking to me. He's like, well, how many, how many people would it take to fill up a Zeppelin with farts? Which is the weirdest thing I've ever been asked, I think. What is a Zeppelin? A Zeppelin? Oh, like a blimp. Oh. Like the Hindenburg. Okay. Sorry, yeah, Zeppelin. Like, like the blimps. Yeah, like I know what that, yeah, yeah. Okay. So never heard of I feel like that might be the oddest question I've ever been asked, uh, but I wanted to provide an answer. So a Zeppelin is big, really big. Uh, so it would take 15,000 people farting their entire lifetime to fill up a Zeppelin. Oh God. And I'm not sure it would fly. I just, I don't know. He asked me and so I was like, well, I can answer that for you. It'd be a warm I'm a flight. wealth of completely useless inf information. All right. About farts. About Very farts, good right. How much saliva does a person create in a lifetime in gallons? Gross. <laughs> I know, Brian. It's just gross to think Like, about. where were you just sitting around thinking of these questions at, Dr. Herman? You know, there's just a wealth of information out there. And uh, I was just looking through interesting medical facts about the human body. And oh, people love this stuff, you know? Like, you post this How, uh, so how much saliva do you Yeah, in make? gallons. In, in a lifetime. Travis, why don't you go first? 100 gallons. 100. Um, a thousand gallons. You're closer. Six thousand. Ah, oh, dang. That's a lot. That's like a small swimming pool. Fake. <laughs> I just grossed out serious. <laughs> okay, this one's kind of fun. If you took all the iron in your body and turned it into an object, what object would it be most the size of? So I'm gonna give you four objects. Okay. This is if you took. So we know we have iron in our blood. Yeah. Right. So we took all that. Would it be the size of a paper clip, a key, a fork, or a padlock? It's a multiple choice. Fork. Fork. It's a good guess. Um, I was gonna say a baseball, but um, I say a padlock. Okay. So it's actually a key. So it's three to four grams. Did you even say baseball? <laughs> no, no, no. I saw. I thought we were like coming up with the object. Oh, <laughs> I like that guess, man. It's it's creative. And, yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily the right answer, but it was an answer, and I appreciate your input. Absolutely. And it's kind of sports related, which I appreciate as well. So Absolutely. Well done, but key. A key. Yeah. A key. Like a car key. Like a smaller key. Then. Well, I don't know. Like a key to your house. Yeah. Yeah. Or a key to your heart. Oh, oh man, I know we, we have you around here for good reasons. <laughs> so how many cells did the body produce every second? You know, our bodies are constantly turning over our cells, right? Mm -hmm. Constantly. And we have tons of cells in our body. So how many cells every second does our body create? Every second. Think of a big number. Um... Millions, I'm That's sure. That's pretty good. Um, you, you can go with millions. Ten million. Okay. Drops? Five million. You guys are pretty close. 2.5 million. I was going to say two million. Which means that in our lifetime, our body produces 10 trillion cells. Dang. That's insane. If you took all the blood vessels in your body and stretched them out into one line, how many miles would it be? How many miles of blood vessels do we have? This one blew my mind. 
But it makes sense when you think about miles. it. Two miles. Charles? I would say it's a high number. i say like 75. How about 60,000? Dang. And so at first you're like, there's no way that's right. But when you, when you start counting the capillaries, which are just microscopic, like we have an insane amount of capillaries in our body. Yeah. And so, yeah, the blood vessel wouldn't be very large around, but 60,000 miles. Dang. All right, this is, the last two are about the body, and they're kind of plastic surgery related, and I found these hilarious because they're related questions. What is the size of the average breast in the United States? Oh, I like this question. All right, Chavis, go first. <laughs> I don't know, uh, like, what the... So, the, number and cup size. Right. All I know is, like, B, D, A, Z, triple Z. Z? Woo. Something like that. Who you been hanging out with? <laughs> <laughs> no, we just literally had this conversation the other day over here. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think most women might have, like, a 36C. This is, like, and this is unfair as well, but um, I'll say a 38 B. Okay. I was way off on this one. Uh, so the answer in the United States, the average breast size is 34 double D. Dang. I was going to say And the reason for that, I think, is because in the United States, at least at this point in time, we have a large number of people who are overweight. Mm. Well, where's weight go when you're overweight? And if you're female, it goes in your breasts. And so, like, at first I was like, what? That can't be right. But actually, you know, now that you think about it, if you look at the percentage of people who are overweight, I mean, it's believable. So 34 double D, that's according to the International Journal of Fashion Design, Technology, and Education, who actually did a study on this. Glad to know that. So I got to thinking, well, okay, maybe that's skewed because um, people are overweight. What would be the average size of breast in a country like Japan, which has an extremely low level of people being over it. Um, a 34B. Travis? I'll say a 34A. So you guys are right on point. It's 32B. Dang. That's the average size. That's like what I was when I was like yeah. an adolescent. Well, when I think, you know, and, and, and so that when people, when that question popped up, I was thinking, okay, what's the average size of people that I do breast augmentations on? Well, the average size is a B cup. But then on the other hand, I was like, well, Duh, I do a lot of breast reductions as well. And so that, you know, the average breast reduction might start at like a triple D or E or F. And so you have to like even all that out. And when you do, it comes out to double D. So you guys did good. You guys were pretty close on a lot of those. Yeah, I think I did better than I usually do. No, you were good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you participating. I, I, and honestly, if you guys had asked me, I would have been... <laughs> These questions are just so esoteric that... I mean, I probably could never come up with yeah, the right like answer. Yeah, there's no reason. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to know how many miles of blood vessels you have in you, but now you do. So, all right, moving on. Uh, I, I, I came up with this topic because every once in a while I have people, you know, say to me, you know, well, all you do is cosmetic surgery or all plastic surgeons do is cosmetic surgery. Okay. And, and that's absolutely not true. I, I will say being totally honest, that my practice has trended towards cosmetic as my career has gone on, and I'm gonna talk about the reasons why that is. But I did wanna talk about all of the potential non-cosmetic plastic surgeries that there are out there, and that's me about to do, do one. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize how broad plastic surgery is. And so uh, I wanna talk about what all plastic surgeons do, and, and, and also why people may or may not 
do the things they do in their practice. So of course there's reconstruction. We, we talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, there's breast reconstruction. Um, I do a little bit of that in my career at one point. I did an insane amount of that. Yeah. Um, there are, is wound reconstruction, which I do a lot of that now, working yes. at, at the Horizon Medical Center. Um, there's trauma reconstruction. So I still do that as well. Um, uh, a lot of facial injuries because you know, as plastic surgeons, we're expected to get the best outcomes for closures. And so when children get injured or, you know, young people get injured in the face, a lot of times we're called in to close that, even if it's something that the average doctor might be able to close, mm -hmm. they rely on us to get, you know, a higher level of, of result. Uh, burns. I did tons of burn surgery when I was younger. Uh, I did five years of burn surgery in Kentucky and two in Tennessee. Um, it's interesting stuff, uh, not, maybe not my favorite thing to do because it's sad, you know, a lot of really badly burned people that have very drawn out recoveries, uh, and of course people do die in that. And so definitely not as chipper as some of the things I, I do these days, yeah. uh, but it is something that I did a lot of in the past. Pediatric issues, you know, a lot of people don't think about that, but you know, cleft lips and cleft palates, which are- I was just about to ask about that. Yeah, very prevalent. Uh, also, craniosynostosis, which is when the skull fuses abnormally. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, the medical oddities picture of the kid with a weird shaped head. Mm -hmm. You know, that's generally due to the suture lines of the skull closing too soon, yeah. and then the skull can't expand. And it actually can cause children, you know, severe problems. So uh, both of those cleft lip, cleft palate, and craniosynostosis surgeries uh, would be done by craniofacial surgeons. You know, I... I fellowship, uh, so with plastic surgeons, you can just be a general plastic surgeon, totally fine, do a little bit of everything, mm -hmm. or you can be a specialist. I, I did a fellowship in, in cosmetic breast and body. Um, there are fellowships in craniofacial. And mm -hmm. so, although I could do a cleft lip or cleft palate if somebody forced me to do that, um, I don't, uh, because there are specialists out there that do them. And of course, the way the referral patterns go, they generally get referred by pediatric hospitals and they have people yeah. on staff to do them. Um, but that is a side of plastic surgery that, you know, a lot of people don't, don't realize that's out there. Um, skin cancers yep. and, and facial lesions on, or, and skin lesions on the face. I do a lot of that stuff, you know, um, People get skin cancers on the nose, and you know it's actually kind of tricky to remove a cancer on the nose and close it up and make people look normal. Um, but that's definitely something that's in our arsenal to do. And I kind of like those cases. You know, they're they're ones that make you think, and that's one of the reasons I really like plastic surgery in general. Is it's a lot of thinking. You know, with general surgery, you know, you make your diagnosis, and okay, surgery's step one, step two, step three. Plastics, you know, there might be multiple different answers. Yeah. So I like that. So non-cancer breast issues, breast reductions would be the big one. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, breast reductions have gone these days to being a cosmetic surgery, not because plastic surgeons are insisting upon it, but just because the insurance won't cover them anymore, which is sad. I, I built my practice doing breast reductions um, kind of a little before I started really doing a lot of the breast reconstruction. And, um, you know, it's something that really helps patients. And it's sad that the insurance companies have kind of cut that out. Yeah, um, I feel like that would be something like a preventative measure almost for like back problems. You would think that, but you know, health. insurance companies would disagree with you. Um, some of them say that they still will cover it, um, but in reality, it's got to the point where it's pretty much impossible. Um, they put such heavy restrictions on what you have to do to get it covered that yeah. most patients. It impedes with a lot of stuff. I think oh, we've totally. talked about it before. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, exercise, your mental health. And then obviously, you know, you're back. Yeah, 
But. I mean, there's a lot of things that pop up when the breasts are too large. So, um, hand surgery. Not a lot of people realize that hand surgery is a part of plastics, and I still do a lot of hand. I say a lot. I I take call at the trauma hospital for hand. When I first came into the area, there wasn't a hand surgeon, so I actually did a lot of elective hand, like carpal tunnels and triggers, trigger fingers, things like that. And occasionally I'll get those, but now that there's dedicated hand surgeons in town, I don't as much, which, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I, I like the cases, but, you know, it's, it's not that I can't do without them. And lastly would be gender transition surgeries, a newer thing Yep. Um, uh, that... Uh, is definitely, I mean, I mean, there's some cosmetic related to that because you want to get an outcome that's aesthetically pleasing, but it's not the typical cosmetic surgery, you know, that most plastic surgeons are doing. Right. Um, and not all plastic surgeons do it. I mean, some people have, you know, moral, I guess, objections to it. I do them for adults. Uh, I, do, I just do the top parts. I don't do the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of things out there that are insurance-based and non-cosmetic that plastic surgeons can do. You do tend to see a trend of plastic surgeons going towards cosmetic. And so it's like, well, why, why is that? Um, I mean, it's, a, it's multifactorial. I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of it does boil down to money. Um, you yeah. know, I've seen in the 13 years I've been in practice that the reimbursements from insurance have just shrank tremendously, which, I mean, it's, I mean you're a business owner, right? So... How do you run a business when your overhead goes up every year, but your income goes down? Mm. I mean, eventually you get to a point where it's just non-sustainable. And uh, I think that's why a lot of private practice guys like myself really rely heavy on the cosmetic. Now, if you work for a university and you're drawing a salary for them, then yeah. it's, it's a wash because at the end of the day, the, the university just wants you to provide services. Mm -hmm. And they're not necessarily concerned if you make as much money as your salary is making such an insurance reimbursement as your salary is because you're doing other things. You're writing right. papers, you're training residents, and so your job is considered to be more multifactorial. Well, for private guys, I mean, it's not the case. I mean, right. you know, we make what we collect. Yeah. And so um, it's, it's pretty sad, honestly, because it does affect the number of surgeons willing to do those things. And there are things I've had to cut out because I just physically can't do them and make enough money to pay my overhead. Right. You know, um, I was mentioning the other day on the show that, you know, my at this point, in my practice, at least as far as income goes, like over 90 percent from like cosmetic stuff, which is crazy because my time spent is probably 50 50. You know, although I do a lot of cosmetic surgery, I still do insurance and that takes up a lot of time. But the amount of money I get for it is a fraction of what I get for the other stuff. Yeah, it's really a bummer. You know, dealing with insurance is another one. I mean, there's a lot of resources that going into dealing with insurance and fighting to get cases covered and you know fighting when they don't want to pay and so you know I get it like it, it, it wears you out and I can see how a lot of surgeons would you know not want to you know be involved with that right um, you know there's also the fact that these surgeries do carry higher risks and more complications I mean to be frank like cosmetic surgery is generally fairly easy I mean there's an artistic side to it which can be very hard for some people but if you have that artistic ability to you know create something that's aesthetically pleasing the actual surgeries themselves are not ones that carry high complication rates provided that you're not doing wild stuff and you're you know. not like from florida or something right yeah you're, you're not in florida doing 15 surgeries at once I'm trying to kill somebody on somebody under local 
yeah, we've talked about that. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, I, I think it's an interesting topic because a lot of people, you know, see pasteurs and they think, oh, all they do is like breast augmentation, liposuction. And, you know, there are people out there like that. And truth be told, I do a lot of that stuff. But, but I still do quite a bit of like non-cosmetic stuff. But it's just sad how little it pays. Yeah. You know, I mean, I really couldn't do any more of it because, you know, at the end of the day, I have to make X amount of money to keep my business open. And, Very uh, true. You know, I mean, you know. I mean, that's just, I mean, this has, I mean, it's kind of similar situation, but like, um, I'd love to sell plus size clothing in my store, but I can't because it, it, it literally will just stay in my store for yeah. too long. Yeah. And so I decided that I just can't, I just can't have it because right. it doesn't make sense. As a business owner, you, you know, you gravitate towards things that are going but, to keep yeah. your business running. Yeah, right? I want to do everything for yeah. everybody. But Sarah, I, I got a campaign. You, you got to throw a couple shirts in there for the big boys. I, I'm, I'm just saying, man. We, we ha I have had some that are like, I think all that I carry for guys is up to like 2XL. All right, we'll take it. Okay. Right, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> that covers like, what, 90% of people, I'm sure. Absolutely. No, I'm joking, I'm You're joking. good. Anyway, I think that's about it. Um, if you like today's show, Please leave us a like. Please leave us a subscription. Leave us a comment. We want to hear what you want to hear about, and we'd love to talk about it. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week from Italy. Sarah won't be there, but I'll be there. <laughs> and we'll see you next week on Nip Talk. Thank you so much. <laughs>